1: the story. Watkin Roberts wanted to stay there, but before he arrived in Ijo, the British ruler, had issued a warrant of arrest for violating the British ban on travel to this part of the country, so he must leave northeast India right away. When I met him 40 years later, he felt like he was a complete failure, and when I told him the story of uh, my father, the conversion of our people, he couldn't believe it.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we're focusing once again on the life story of the late Rachanga Padaiti, who was the founder of the Bibles for the World International Ministry. And as we heard last time, besides sharing a bit of his own story, Rachanga also shared with us how his people group from northeastern India had undergone an amazing transformation from being known as savage headhunters to becoming loving hearthunters for the Lord. And to think, it all started when a Welsh missionary named Watkin Roberts came to their remote village to share about Jesus. Now, here's more of Rachunga Padaiti sharing his story in a conversation he had with Eric Scatterbo back in 2006.
2: Once again, joining me on the telephone from Colorado Springs, Colorado, is Dr. Rochunga Pudaiti. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Eric. It's good to be with you again.
2: Glad to have you with us. And last time we chatted, you told us how Christianity originally came to your Mar people, and also how it spread so rapidly, and also about your childhood. Yes. And how you had to go through the jungle for 96 miles to get (laughs) an education.
1: Yes, that was quite an undertaking. I don't think I want to repeat it again. (laughs) But uh, to think it over, it's always been an encouragement to me that God was able to take care of all my need, even in those circumstances.
2: Wow. And, of course, the original missionary who came into your territory in northeastern India was a fellow by the name of Watkin Roberts.
1: Yes, Watkin Roberts was uh, a product of the Great World Revival of 1904. And deeply touched by the power of the living God, uh, he gave himself to become an independent missionary. And so he was a slave miner as well as a, a chemist. So all his sold his business in wealth and came all the way to India to become a missionary. And uh, so he walked 14 days on foot to come to my village mm. and uh, share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that brought my father to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And it was the beginning of the gospel. And then Watkin Roberts wanted to stay there. He promised to open schools and a small medical clinic. But before he arrived in Ijo, the British ruler, had issued a warrant of arrest for violating the British ban on travel to this part of the country. And also the fact that he was sleeping in a tribal home and eating tribal food with the tribal people. And uh, he said that he was demeaning the high British culture hmm. by so-doing. So he must leave northeast India right away. So he, mo- he had to move to Calcutta.
2: So he was expelled from India, expelled. and when yeah. he left, he thought he was a complete failure.
1: Well, he, he really, when I, when I met him 40 years later, he felt like he was a complete failure. And when I told him the story of uh, my father, the conversion of our people, and he couldn't believe it.
2: So now, your father became a Christian, put his faith in Jesus Christ, and then years later, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, as we discussed last uh, time.
1: Right, as a result of the witness of my own father. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm-hmm. And your father kind of gave you a challenge to get an education. Why was that so important to him?
1: Well... To him, the most important thing was that we read the scripture, the Bible. Mm-hmm. Without the Bible, Christianity will not survive. And he, without the Bible, he thought that he himself could not really uh, go and witnessing. And he had only the gospel of John, and that was not enough. And the more he read, the more he memorized, the more he wanted the Bible to be in our language. Mm-hmm. And so even when I was born, I was told later on that a number of elders in, in the village were brought in, and laid their hands on me to someday I may be the one to translate the Bible in the Mar language. When I finished high school, my father insisted I should go to the best uh, Christian college. And I thought of them uh, St. Paul's College in Calcutta. Mm-hmm. But I had no money to go to college. And so I borrowed 150 rupees, which is not a whole lot of money, and uh, travel. Uh, to Calcutta, but at the railway station, I was robbed by the uh, some in India they call gundas, uh, some thugs, and they took away my money. Mm-hmm. And so I arrived in St. Paul's College penniless, and uh, I had a difficult time. And so finally, I wrote a letter to the Prime Minister of India, Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru, asking if there was any way he could uh, help me out. And amazingly, the Prime Minister's heart was moved with my letter. Hmm. And so a special scholarship was a rent for me. Uh, As long as I want to go to college. And so things became a little more pleasant. And I decided that since I may be translating the Bible, I should uh, know English a little more. And so I took a course called Additional English. And I thought there was going to be uh, an English teacher but there wasn't and it was something I had to do it on my own mm. and in India, our system is a little different from American system where if we fail in one subject you fail for that year and the final exam so we have only one final exam in two years and I passed very well in most of the subjects high, scoring high marks but in that additional English subject I fell by just one point. Hmm. And uh, I was wondering whether I should even come back to college at all. But my father was so insistent. He said, you go, God will provide. And I said, I don't think Prime Minister Nehru will continue the scholarship with my failure. Well, he said, go and we'll pay for whatever the train fare is. God will take care of you. So I went. And when I came to the campus, I'll never forget. Students I thought were not even as good as I was, they'd all pass, and so they walked, and the campus as though they owned the whole world. (laughs) And I was so ashamed of it, and if I could hide inside my fingernail, (laughs) I would hide inside my fingernail. (laughs) So I went to my room and uh, locked the door inside, and for seven days, I couldn't even get out and see the faces of my friends. Hmm. Then one day, there's a knock on the door. The man was so persistent, kept knocking, and I said nothing. Finally he said, I have a package in my hand all the way from America for you. I'm a mailman. So finally I opened the door, and there was a package, and. The sender's address was not there in the package, and I opened, and inside was a beautiful leather-bound Bible,
3: mm.
1: and the first page inside uh, was an inscription from a friend in America who loves the Lord and the people of India, and not even a signature. Mm. Wow! Well, I decided that I had to read this book. That was the first time I had ever owned a whole Bible uh, in English. Mm-hmm. So I, I read the whole book on my knees twice over. Mm. And it's amazing. Uh, when I came to a book that was most unlikely place called Jephaniah in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. chapter 3, verse 17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of you is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. When I read the text, I couldn't believe. It seemed like the the whole text was coming out of his face, standing in front of me as though God was saying, Listen to me. I love you. Hmm. You are precious. Go right on. Don't be ashamed. Everything that I was ashamed of, God was speaking to me that afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so, immediately after that, I went to the chapel to pray and praise God. Mm. And that was the beginning of my spiritual life. And what an exciting journey it has been! Mm. That the Bible has become a part of my life, and I I became so infatuated, literally, with the Bible. And I kept on reading and memorizing and reading and memorizing, Mm -hmm. and the Bible became a part of my life. Wow. And so I can testify for all who are tired of life that if you read the Word of God on your knees and trust in God to open your heart to Him, He will do it. There is no other book under heaven that can change the life of men, women, and children.
0: You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing part two of a conversation that Eric Scadabo had with the late Rachanga Padaiti, who's originally from a remote village in northeastern India and comes from the Ma people group. is sharing his life journey and we'll find out how he becomes the founder of the Bibles for the World Ministry when we return. The Story. We're continuing with part two of a conversation Eric Scatterbo had with the late Rachanga Podaiti, who was the founder of the Bibles for the World International Ministry. As we heard before the break, Ruchanga had some difficulties trying to translate the Bible into his tribal language, but the Lord helped him prevail. Now, we're going to hear what happened next in his life.
1: I transferred to Allahabad University in Allahabad for my university studies. And while I was there, I met a man called Bob Pierce.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And he's the founder of World Vision. Oh, okay. He was. And uh, so he asked me what I was trying to do with my education and my life. I told him that my parents wanted me to translate the Bible, but I'm not quite ready to translate the Bible because my English is not good enough and I don't have uh, enough Greek and Hebrew. I don't know anything about Greek and Hebrew to be able to translate it and so it hit his heart in a way I, I couldn't understand he said well I'll, I'll take care of you mm. and so he, he made a arrangement for me to come to Wheaton College Graduate School but for a reason unknown to me it didn't work and uh, I was not accepted
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> wow.
1: and so I, I began to Form a political party for the Mars because they are no political organization and I felt that they should uh, ask for some uh, something from the government to, to be done for our people. And so I was organizing that and we had our first big political conference and on the same day, I received three letters, all of them coming in through a very special mail runner running day and night. One was from the governor of the state of Assam uh, saying that he read my letter that uh, we're having this political party and he will be very supportive of whatever we do. And then another letter came from the daughter of the prime minister of India, Indira Gandhi, who later became the prime minister, Mm -hmm. that uh, she was very uh, much in favor of my political move. But along with that, there was a cable. Watkin Roberts in the cable, he said, my friends and I will provide for intensive Bible study in London or Glasgow, Scotland. I was very deeply troubled by it. I pray all night. It was early the morning that God spoke to me that I should go to Glasgow, Scotland. And I had never met Watkin Roberts Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I had never even written a letter to him. God did something very special there. So Mm -hmm. the door was open. I went to Scotland, and while I was in Scotland, I was involved with the Billy Graham All-Scotland Crusade. And uh, during that time, Dr. Billy Graham asked me if I would come to Eton College Graduate School. And then before the crusade was over, Bob Pierce also came to Scotland for the crusade. And when I told him, well, he said, I had promised to take care of you, and so I I still will do that. Let Billy Graham take care of the admission. And that's what they yeah. did. So I came to Eton college graduate school. So when I went to see Watkin Roberts, I asked him, how did you happen to know who I was? <laughs> mm. And how, how did you happen to send that cable asking me to come to Scotland? He said, there's a youthful Christ director, Winnie Bonner. She spoke at the People's Church and tell you a story as an illustration. Mm-hmm. and uh, and so I was very deeply touched by the story that she told and I called him out where where I could get in touch with you and so he said that's a, that's what God did I send you that cable mm. but you could come right away for Bible training in Scotland or England
2: Wow, so you could have had political power and a certain amount of wealth yeah. if you had gone that direction but yeah. as you mentioned the Lord led you to continue the challenge of translating the Bible into your Mar people's language, and that led you to Wheaton, Illinois, and you eventually were successful in completing your translation?
1: Right. While I was in Wheaton College graduate school, I began translating. And even after I was in Wheaton College, Bible translation was not a simple one. It was not very easy. Mm -hmm. In fact, at one point when I was working on the Book of Romans, I felt like I was not qualified to do it and I kept telling the Lord that I couldn't do it and then one day I decided to take a long walk in a park and I kept telling the Lord that I was not qualified to do this and I was going to quit and so finally before sunset I sat down on the stump of a tree and I said to the Lord looking up to heaven Lord, this is my final word with you. I cannot do this job, and I'm going to quit. And just then, not an audible voice, I'm sure, but uh, it was a voice coming to me. The voice said, My power is greater than your problem. Hmm. Trust me. And I fell from the the stump of the tree, and I fell flat prostrated on the the ground and asked for God's forgiveness. And so I went back uh, to my room and began my work again. And from that moment on, I was able to do the whole, the rest of the, the book from Romans to the Revelation, without almost nonstop stop
3: mm. Wow.
1: With me every, every moment uh, in the translation. And then later on, I went on to translating the Old Testament, and uh, uh, that was a long, long, long struggle. Hmm. That God was with me every time of the uh, of the event. Yeah, he was very, very wonderful to me.
2: So eventually, your translation of the Bible was published and it made its way back to your people in north yeah. eastern India. In
1: fact, I have revised four times over, and I just finished the last of my revision, hmm. and I think this will be the final one. But I am now embarking upon Bible distribution because I felt this book. That changed my life. This book that brought me back to life, in a sense, from hopelessness, must be read by people as well. No one should die, I kept saying, without reading the Bible. So, we are taking a challenge of sending a Bible to every telephone subscriber in the world hmm. by mail. So far, we have sent 16 million. Wow. We're just beginning. There are so many wonderful, magnificent conversions. That took place as a result of reading. I'll never forget an uh, early time when we were sending to India. A man wrote me and said, Dear Dr. Pudaite, I don't know where in the world you got my name and address, but I received your beautiful book, No Greater we called it No Greater Love, mm-hmm. that rose on the cover. He said, As I began to read, while reading page three and four, Jesus met me,
3: hmm.
1: and I'm totally changed. And uh, page 3 and 4 is John's Gospel, chapter 3, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Because we put the Gospel of John first. Mm-hmm. And so it has been very powerful. And that man was, uh, by the way, head of a medical college, Dr. Mahesh Chandramani in India. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of doctors who became Christians as a result of reading the Bible, and quite a few lawyers and businessmen.
2: Wow. So... The word of God had such a tremendous impact on your Mar people, and now you're sharing the word of God through your ministry Bibles for the World with so many other people, and it's continuing to have an impact on people's lives.
1: Well, we have seen tremendous, tremendous changes of life. Uh, There was a man by the name of uh, Sandhu in India. He was a uh, colonel in the Air Force, just retired. He received a copy And his heart was completely transformed by the living God. We've experienced a lot of things like that.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, this all started with the Welsh missionary Watkin Roberts. Yeah. But when he left the tribe, when he was expelled from the tribe, he thought he was a failure. Right. What was his reaction when you told him (laughs) the impact that his planting the seed had on your people?
1: Well, he said, all is a mystery. God never has our opinion but he said to he he does things in his own marvelous way mm-hmm. it's all a mystery so he said he just enjoy watching and seeing what God is doing now
2: now did he eventually go back to your mar territory?
1: Yes at first he said he could not go back because he suffered severely with polio when he was in India and so he lost one leg mm-hmm. and I told him that uh, uh, that he must get back to our people. And so I said, I'll make all the arrangements, we'll make a special sedan, and people will carry you from one village to the other. So back in 19, uh, 1958, I was able to put him on the airplane and send him all the way back to India. And when he arrived at the airport in Imphal, the nearest from the Mar uh, community, the people, by the hundreds they came, And they carry Mm. him from the aircraft into the sedan and then carry him from one village to the other. Mm. It was a magnificent, joyous trip. We are so very grateful. Wow. He said it was the greatest joy in all of his life.
2: Oh, I can imagine.
1: To be able to get back there and see that what he thought was a failure had really been God's success.
2: Wow, that's a tremendous story. In his own power, he thought that it was a tremendous failure.
1: Well, there is no failure with God, is it?
2: Mm -hmm. That's right, as long as we put our faith in Him.
1: So long as we put our faith in Him, He takes care of us. And I've not been a very good student myself, but God has been so wonderful in helping me in everything I do, like even the translation. I always felt I was unqualified to do it. But God helped me. And so today... Thousands of our young people are memorizing entire book of the New Testament, repeat it again and again. And when I listen, my it sounds good. God did it, not me, and I enjoy seeing what God is doing.
0: That was a conversation Eric Scatterbo had with the late Rachunga Padayati, who was the founder of the Bibles for the World International Ministry. Sadly, Rachunga passed away in 2015, but his son John is now the leader of the ministry and is carrying on his father's legacy of providing Bibles for the world. And to think, it all started in a small, remote village in northeastern India where Rachunga was born. But by the time he died at age 87, the missionary work he did and the ministry he founded was known across the globe. Bibles for the World has sent more than 22 million New Testaments to individual homes in 118 countries. Once again, for more information, their website is biblesfortheworld.org. That's biblesfortheworld.org. Finally, I want to end today with the verse Rachanga shared earlier that was such an encouragement to him when he was struggling to translate the Bible into his tribal language. It's Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord thy God in the midst of you is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Those are encouraging words that we can repeat over and over. What a beautiful picture of our loving Heavenly Father singing over us to comfort us. Well, thanks for joining us for the late Rachanga Padaiti, sharing his incredible story and the story of his Ma people from northeastern India. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.